Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of June 9th. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, joined by the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff to discuss all of the latest news, results, and notable topics of Dirt Late Model Racing. And of course, this week we have a, a pretty notable topic, I would say, with the double Dirt Late Model Dreams at Eldora Speedway coming up this week, starting tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Prelim night for the first of two Dreams at Eldora Speedway will be kicking off tonight at Eldora. Uh, I'm joined today by DirtOnDirt.com managing editor Todd Turner. Todd, are you excited? I am, I am. But these, um, you know, are increasing crown jewels and big races are three and four and, and at I-85 day. So <laughs> it makes for a short week in the office for sure. Yeah, these uh, these big events seem to be getting bigger and bigger. I remember a time when the, the dream and the world at Eldora were, were really only one real day of racing. You had tech day and then qualifying day. Kevin, you remember those days? Kevin oh, yeah, I remember those. Actually, I was talking about that. I was at West Virginia Motor Speedway this weekend, and uh, I was in the, uh, talking to Jonathan Davenport's crew and Devin Moran, a few other guys, and they were like, kind of like that uh, two-day uh, deal there. It was like a lot of – it wasn't so uh, go, go, go the whole entire week, and there was more time to – you know, sort of like – and the thing they always liked, everybody keeps telling me they all like – uh, they love that seven o'clock uh, first time on the racetrack, no hot laps, first heat of the weekend on Saturday. There was there was something special about that all the time. Times have changed for sure. That was Kevin Kovac, uh, DirtOnDirt.com senior writer and uh, another member of the staff that just loves uh, long weekends and weeks at the racetrack. That'd be Robert Holman, our weekend editor. Robert, how you? Uh, what do you? How do you feel about the the four days at Eldora? Uh, I've. Well, you know, as a competitor trying to make money, I don't hate it. But, uh, you know, when you're out there working and like those crew guys, you know, sometimes uh, you got to be careful what you ask for. Uh, you get those long, long weeks. And, and like uh, Kevin said, it's just a, a lot of work put in there. You know, I, I kind of miss the days of uh, qualifying and, and showing up and racing the next day. Uh, you know, every once in a while, just because I like the relaxing part of, you know, it's just a little more relaxed. So, uh, but it is what we've got now, and, and uh, we got to go out and make money. So uh, so we'll just kind of deal with what we have to deal with. All right, so before we get into uh, – we're kind of going to kind of combine a, a little bit of a review of, of last week and, uh, and, and, the, and the dream preview, if you will. But kind of – I want to ask you guys each a question. What – can you think of anything that happened over the past week? And, of course, the, the major events was Jonathan Davenport's sweep of West Virginia Motor Speedway's Historic 100 weekend, 10,000 on Friday and 25,000 on Saturday. And then the World of Outlaws, uh, two, uh, I won't say surprises in victory lane, but maybe throwbacks in victory lane with Dennis Herb Jr. winning at Circle City Raceway and then Rick Eckert winning Saturday night at Plymouth, both those tracks in Indiana for the World of Outlaws series. See, I'll start with you, Todd. Did anything that happened this weekend change the outlook or the expectations going into the dream? Not so much, I don't think. I, you know, the West Virginia Motor stuff, obviously Davenport, you know, he kind of resumed his uh, big season by showing off so well there. But uh, to me, that's such an unusual track and, and a relatively small field. I throw that out a little bit. Um, not, I mean, no, no disrespect to Davenport still being a, a big favorite coming to Eldora, but the, the West Virginia motor is a little bit of a, an unusual beast. So I'm not sure if that, uh, if anything this weekend really made anybody uh, think a lot different about what was going on, going, what will go on at Eldora this week. 
What do you think, Robert? Anything you've seen this weekend kind of change your expectations? Not so much. I mean, I kind of agree with what, what Todd said there. I think Davenport was, was a favorite going in. You know, I think he kind of struggled out there uh, in Missouri for the show me. And I just think bouncing back uh, at West Virginia Motor just basically just shows that, that you know, he is – uh, still the favorite. I don't think it really changed anything so much, but uh, I don't think this is necessarily change anything as we get ready for Eldora. The, the World Outlaws races, those tracks are so different from from uh, you know Eldora too. I just don't think that I don't think that anything necessarily happened this weekend that makes makes me think that anybody other than Davenport is the the heavy favorite. You know. You mentioned the Outlaws races, and you know we we were on all of us were on the media roundtable for the uh, the video cast with Michael Rigsby and Derek Kessinger, uh, and and that was recorded last week. And I think I know I picked Chris Madden. I think Kevin. I think you also picked Chris Madden. I'm wondering if you if you're like me, kind of you know he kind of I don't say he struggled, but he didn't have the best weekend. Uh, as Robert said, that's two totally different tracks than what you're going to see at Eldor. But I'm wondering if we're uh, questioning that pick. How how are you feeling about it? And and we're going to make some picks later. Uh, our official picks, we'll call them uh, for this podcast. Uh, but, but how are you feeling about the, his chances after kind of seeing him have a little bit of a down weekend there with the Outlaws? Yeah, I'm not too worried about Madden, uh, how he performed there down in uh, Indiana with those Outlaw races. Uh, they weren't great. I mean, he, he lost some points to Brandon Shepard also. But uh, th- those are different tracks, like Robert said. They're, they're definitely not outdoor. There were two little bull rings. Um, I'm, I'm looking more at those, that last, uh, sweep he had at Port Royal Speedway a few weeks ago, uh, with the outlaws. That was, uh, that's, that's definitely more of a port of a Eldora type racetrack with the long, you know, you know, big track, uh, sweeping turns. And so I think that in Madden will be okay. And, and then with, uh, the same thing with John, Jonathan Davenport, I, I think he, I, I kind of think he might've become more of a favorite after sweeping West Virginia. He wasn't even feeling well on Saturday. He was uh, puking before the races started back in the trailer, uh, because he had some, a little bit of an illness, uh, hit, hit him and he wasn't even sure if he would race for a few minutes. And, uh, but he came out there and, and, and on a physical demanding racetrack, super fast, he was able to still win, um, I think uh, like his crew, I was talking to his crew when they say he gets into a mode, uh, like a very big, fo- he gets super focused on Eldora week. And that's one of the reasons why he's uh, won five times a uh, uh, major event in Eldora since 2015. And, and I think he's already into that mode and, and he's going to be tough to tough to deal with all, all week at Eldora. I mean, th- that's a guy that could double up and, and sweep the, the, the dreams. And imagine if he did that, he'd be nearly a half a million dollars in first place winnings already this season if he would do that so uh he he's he could be chasing some history here if he uh if he has a big weekend yeah i was uh i was looking at davenport's stats for uh, when i was doing the top 25 notes this uh earlier today and i think if i did my math right he's around two a little over two hundred thousand in first place money alone and you add in everything else he's won the money he's won i'm sure he's close to that uh quarter million mark already on the season and if he were to sweep or double up uh, the dream that would be half a million before even the official start of summer. That would be quite impressive. One one thing I'll add as far as like did the past uh, weekend's results change anything? It did kind of remind me that the you can't always count on the big names and the the ones who are hot at the moment. 
uh, to win. I mean, you look at it, you know, Dennis Herb, well, really both Outlaws races, Dennis Herb Jr. winning and, and Rick Eckert winning, that's two guys that I wouldn't have picked to win over the weekend. Of course, as you guys said, that was those tracks were a little different, and that won't necessarily carry over to Eldora, those, uh, what happened there. But it just kind of reminds you to keep in mind that someone unexpected could uh, could certainly show up and, and win and at least be competitive and, and be in the mix there at Eldora. You did mention, uh, Kevin, about uh, possibly – Davenport winning, sweeping, and be a big payday. I'm wondering, is how likely do you guys feel it's, it is that someone could sweep? Would you bet on it? Do you feel like it's not very likely? Like, what do you say? Maybe the odds are of someone sweeping, whether it's Davenport or another guy. Todd, what do you, what do you think? I mean, I guess you can look at it two ways. I mean, my my inclination would be it is a very tough place for things to go your way. You know, for one race, one event, uh, much less to go back to back. You know, and basically in these two sets of two days for it to go all your way, all four days. Now, somebody can definitely be fast and be like the fastest car during the week, but to for, for everything to fall, fall where you end up on the stage on Thursday and Saturday, I would say it's very, very unlikely. Uh, now, might somebody be the fastest car all four days? Maybe. Uh, will that person be on the stage twice? Uh, less likely. Yeah, as you point out, it's uh, not always that the fastest car wins, especially in a longer race at Eldora with a, a lot going on. And then, of course, I, I'm interested to see how the only one prelim night shakes things up. When you have two prelim nights, you kind of things shake out more. When you only have one prelim night for uh, uh, for the two events, you could have a kind of a you know an underdog, a unexpected, like I said, unexpected car have a good run. On you only need one night of a good run versus uh, with when you have two prelim nights, you kind of have to back that up to have a good start come saturday heat races uh robert what do you what do you think any other storylines or anything we should be paying attention to going into the four days well i think it's interesting that you point out about the the one night of prelims because that could also put somebody way behind you think about how uh you you only need one night to do well for an underdog well that could put uh, you know one of our favorites if something happens and like todd mentioned Anything can happen there when you're trying to work through these prelims. You've got you've got the invert. Uh, you've got you know obviously you've got to qualify and be fast to begin with. Then then of course you've got to deal with you know the invert. Then you've got to run uh, your heats and your prelim. I mean so many things have to go right for you. So with only one uh, pre prelim night, if anything goes wrong, man, you're in a big big hole when you come back out for 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 the thursday or saturday features so rather than starting potentially up front in the heat and maybe get to start way up front in the feature you're back there in a consolation race hoping that somebody else's wreck or somebody else's problem you know doesn't hurt you and you can even get into the feature you know because that's that's one thing i do love about these races there are no provisionals except for what you gained at the racetrack this weekend you know there's no provisionals based on last year or last week or points or anything there's only provisionals based on what you do this weekend and your performance so so i really think that i like races like that uh uh that that put the pressure on drivers and make them come out and perform and with only one prelim night uh it could put a guy you know if madden a couple of years ago had a really fast car and got caught up in a heat race crash or something. And, and, you know, it pretty much ruined his weekend. I think Brandon Overton was the same way. 
uh, a year or two ago in, in one of these races at Eldora. I had a really fast car and got caught up in somebody else's wreck or got caught up in a crash. And, and you know, it, it ruined a weekend. So these prelim nights, uh, like you said, only one could definitely change the, the outlook of things um, this weekend for sure. Kevin, I know at West Virginia Motor Speedway, you, you mentioned already, but you were talking to the, the drivers and teams there a lot about Eldora uh, throughout the weekend. I'm wondering if was that brought up at all? Have you heard any drivers kind of, you know, uh, mention the only one prelim, if that changes their approach or anything like that? Or do you think it factors into it? Uh, they, didn't, they didn't really say anything about uh, changing the approach. I mean, uh, uh, one, one thing that was uh, I thought was interesting when I I talked to Robbie Allen, crew chief for Greg Satterley. Uh, I did a story just now for, for today uh, about his like memories from 30 years at Eldora. And, and one of the things he mentioned was, uh, I mean, remember he was there when it was just the two days of time trials and then the feature on Saturday. And then uh, he's also now been there for the two preliminary nights. And he noted that how there's much more of a randomness involved now because there's the there, there's more things that could go wrong or could go right when you have more races beforehand. Before it was just you had two time trial laps to get yourself in position, and everybody pretty much and, and back in the day there too, everyone knew it was going to be top six uh, inversion. You know there wasn't there wasn't any doubt about that. Like now you, you spin the wheel and like he said you could be the guy who was uh, in line with a six invert to be on a pole of a heat race. Well, they, they spin a five and you're in behind the invert. You're sixth in the heat. And, and just one little uh, quirk of fate like that really does change everything for you. And, and obviously, because there's so much of the race and you've thought about that because of that spin of the wheel. And, and I think they just, that's one of the big reasons why they all hate that spin of the wheel because it, there is such randomness put involved. But what, one other thing I, I, I did, some of the guys did like come out, some of Davenport's guys did kind of mention, they were kind of almost joking about it a little bit. And they're saying like, man, well, you know what? There's 200 and you know, over a hundred thousand dollar to win races back to back like this. How about that guy who wins on Thursday? You know, that guy wins on Thursday. I mean, it's usually you win the dream and you get to be on top of the world for at least until, you know, several days until the next event, uh, until you go back racing the next weekend. Usually here, this guy wins one hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars, I think it is on uh, the first night. Right. And, and he goes back and it's old news within uh, less than 24 hours. And he goes back and, and how will that like, I mean, you, you don't get to kind of savor the moment because you got to go back racing right away. And, and, and also along that lines, one mentioned, one crew member mentioned, he goes, how, if it's not a guy who like, you know, if it's a, maybe if it's a surprise winner, he wins on Thursday. The, the crew guy was like, man, if I won like that, I'd go out on, on Friday. I'm at time trial 20th. I don't even care. I just won 127 grand. What's the big deal? I mean, you know, I, my weekend's made already. Everything else is gravy, you know. Uh, so I, I think that might be another little thing to, to look at when you when you see the double dreams like this. Uh, uh, I mean, it, does it affect somebody's head? I mean, like, man, they already got, are, are they satisfied already because they won on Thursday night? You know, I, I can say as a person who's owned a race car and been competing in double features like that, it does affect you. A few years ago, we went to Winchester Speedway and had to run a makeup race. And we and it was we finished that race in the daylight and we won that race. And hell, I didn't care what happened. I mean, it was only paid a thousand dollars, you know, and I didn't even really care what pay what what the next one if how we did, because 
I'm like, our night's made. We've won this one. If we come out here and run fifth in the next one, who cares? You know, we've won one already. And that was, like I said, only $1,000. You put $127,000 in somebody's pocket. I mean, do they even show up the next day? I don't, I don't know. I think Robbie Allen actually pointed this out to me. You remembered this from uh, East Bay. You remember earlier this year at East Bay, they uh, had a, a double feature night because of a rainout. Stormy Scott goes out, wins the first one uh, of the evening. I mean, first ever, first ever super late model win, let alone uh, Lucas Oil uh, Series win. And then the next race, he was in he was in uh, line for provisional. Man, he cracked a beer open before that race, and and he's like. I'll forget. It. I don't need to go out for the second one. I'm I'm bypassing the provisional. And Robbie Allen was like, "You remember that? Remember Storming Scott? He just like, man, I'm cracking the beer open. I'm done. I don't need to go out. I I got my my day is done. So hey, maybe somebody could be like celebrating so good on Thursday after winning the race that that uh Friday they might be it might be tough even to get out for the qualifying and uh, on on Friday after because they're so happy. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, I mean, it would depend on who who won it. But if it was someone who didn't necessarily feel like they were, I don't say the, the fastest car and really had a shot. Or, I mean, obviously, if they win Thursday, they have a shot at winning Saturday. But some things had to fall their way for it to happen that they could actually sit out the rest of the weekend. That wouldn't surprise me at all, especially if the uh, celebrations went late into the night uh, or the morning, early into the morning, I guess you could say. Yeah, it will be interesting to, to keep an eye on that and see how that plays out. For us, you know, as reporters, going to Eldora, and, and it was kind of the same way at the show me, and there's a few other tracks certainly that are, are, are this way, but going to Eldora is kind of a, a I would say, a change of pace uh, a little bit to most of the tracks that we cover and especially the events. And so I was wondering as we get ready to go back there and I believe it'll be uh, myself, Kevin and Todd going, I think Robert, if I'm not mistaken, I think you're going to be assisting remotely, but uh, it should be a, a good week for us as reporters. I'm wondering what you guys look forward to or what you enjoy most uh, from a trip to Eldor for the dream of the world. Um, you know, what's kind of your, your most enjoyable part of it. Todd, I'll start with you. What do you like most about a trip to Eldor for these big events? Selfishly, the the infield media center these days is so so nice, and and really, you know, a a huge help and makes our work and our product better, uh, you know, because we get the access to the drivers, we get to we can have TVs, we can watch, you know, you listen to everything. It's it's really selfishly nice for our comfort, but also for our productivity and work. But but I think generally the Eldora events, I mean, it's they're fun to cover because it's. It's one of the few races I go to where I can remember when I first started covering them. You would get a little excited and tense before the race or before those seven o'clock heat races. It was it was just it has that vibe there that that carries over to not just the drivers and spectators, but but also to the media. And, and there's one particular uh, thing I remember one of the early races I covered there. Um, I guess when one of Donnie Moran's dreams. It was late into the night, and this is back in the days when not only Eldora, but lots of tracks would pay in cash, and everybody else was kind of cleaning up and gone. I mean, there's no spectators there, and up in the tower, the old tower that they still use, it's a little different, but the old tower, it was me and Donnie Moran and Earl, and they, and Earl sitting there paying him in I think all kinds of bills, not just like hundred dollar bills, but he is literally counting out his 100,000 and I'm sitting like next to him, writing my story or whatever. And it was just kind of like, 
this is pretty cool, you know. And and even now I look back on that. It's like that was very, you know, I, I probably didn't appreciate it then how much, uh, how neat that was to be sitting there with those two guys and that going on. Todd was was eyeing all those uh, big bills there and wondering, wondering if he should make a run for it and grab them. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? What's your uh, favorite part of a trip to Eldora? You know, we, we're writers and we're journalists and stuff, but we still are race fans. Uh, I mean, we, we love, we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't like it. Uh, we complain about it, a lot of things, but hey, you know, we still like it. And uh, and it does get you, you know, pumped up a little bit. I, I always do. I get walking through that tunnel and, I mean, you know, well, you just dropped last year. Well, that's why it was so kind of weird. You didn't see all those campers to really you know, get you fired up a little bit more as soon as you pull into the onto the grounds. And now you walk through that tunnel and, and you just start feeling, uh, man, this is a big event. This is it's just huge. And and what I've always liked, I'm, I'm, I will second Todd's uh, comment about the infield media center. That is uh, that is, uh, you know, 100 percent awesome, you know, to be able to. Uh, have that like access to that and and you know you don't have to go up top and then to see everything or get internet or whatever and and then run back around uh, to get into the into the pit area but uh what what I always like at Eldora is since it is a crown jewel it's the one the races that everybody wants to win when these guys these drivers win it or they lose it it's there's emotion there. I mean, you, you could tell it some races, ah, it's just a, you know, Oh, big deal. You know, like they just kind of go through the motions in your interviews afterwards. But I, I know like whenever we're going to go interview somebody after this race, uh, they're going to be feeling it or they're going to, you know, one good, good or bad. Uh, and so, and you can sense that and it, and it helps with your story because uh, it, it brings some emotion into it. I mean, think of last year, Kyle Strickler getting a flat tire and, and uh, and losing that race on the last lap with the Intercontinental, that wasn't even the World 100, and that's a crusher, you know, when you do that. And but then when you win it for the first time uh, or or multiple times, like Davenport, Davenport, he's won it three times now, the World 100 three times in five years, and he's still loving it. He's not wanting to go home right after that race and you know load up and head out. He wants to hang out with everybody and, 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 and enjoy it. So that's what I like. I mean, you get so many different things to write about. You just kind of can take in the scene there a little bit, uh, kind of hang around the, the winner. And, and, uh, and that's, that's my enjoyment of covering it. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the drama, the, the emotion, it all makes for, you know, it, it makes for an interesting story, no matter really who wins usually, but it also makes for a lot of interesting storylines throughout the weekend. Just, uh, and that's one thing I, I'll say real quick that I enjoy about it, uh, along with everything you guys have mentioned. Uh, but my favorite thing is just how many different storylines and how much stuff's going on when you have one of the biggest fields of the year, if not the biggest at those events, uh, and all the, the top drivers there. It's rare that we, you, you know, these days that they all come together uh, on the same night, the same weekend, uh, or at least more rare than it used to be. So getting them all there makes for some interesting storylines to cover as, as reporters. Uh, Robert, what about you? I don't think you gave uh, your take on it yet. Well, you know, cl- clearly what like what Kevin's talking about, just the atmosphere uh, of the weekend in general is is what you look forward to as a fan pulling up and seeing everybody and and getting to Eldora. Uh, I mean, because it, it's a it's electric uh, when everybody's there. I mean, it, it truly is, and there's a, a great a great buzz going on there. So the atmosphere is hands down. The atmosphere is tops above everything. But as far as covering the event, you know, we cover this, this race so much differently, this race in the dream, 
we and, and there's a couple others, but these two specifically, I mean, this race in the World 100, uh, we we cover them so much differently than we cover other events that I found that it's almost easier uh, when I've been at the track at Eldora covering these races uh, because we dedicate so much manpower to covering these events. We dedicate so many hours before the race and after the race that for me, I would sit in the tower most of the time while, while Kevin and or Todd are, are enjoying that nice press room down the downstairs, you know, they're down there enjoying the, the, the frills of the new building while I'm up in the cramped kind of a cramped tower getting yelled at by Roger Slack for getting in the way and stuff, uh, which has happened. Slack has, has yelled at me one time. It quite startled me, but anyway, um, but you know, you're up in the tower and, and you're, I'm just covering the race. I'm covering the race while, while Kevin is able to go down and get great stories from, from, uh, the storylines of the race or, you know, and Todd is, is doing, you know, his thing and, and getting great quotes and, and, and finding the, the going to every little nook and cranny and finding the storylines of this event, you know, whereas when one person, we all know when one person goes out to event, you know, when I go to Brownstown next week, I'm going to be on my own. You know, I'm going to be trying to cover the event. I'm going to be trying to trying to find, a, you know, some some little sidebars and some stories and stuff. But this event, we just we dedicate so much to it. And I think that it helps uh, all the fans, you know, can see so much more because, you know, of, of all the things that we do. So for me, it's a little bit easier to actually cover this race, um, you know, personally, because we, we have so much. Uh, we have so you know so much manpower that we've dedicated to it. Yeah, we uh, here at DOD we definitely do it big for uh, for the big races like uh, the Dream and the World at Eldora especially, and and definitely do our best to bring as many uh, notes, uh, nuggets, storylines, and everything uh, to everybody at home that can't make it there. And and one thing I'll mention, telling some stories is, uh, and you guys talking about the Enfield Media Center is I remember my first first couple of times really first from i guess when i first went in 2010 through uh 2014 or somewhere around in there they before they built the the media center as i remember they also didn't have very you didn't get any service cell signal down in the infield and so in order to connect to the internet you had to be as close as you could be to the tower to try to pick up signal from the tower so when we whenever todd would be up top reporting you know uh, watching the races and reporting on that and i would be the one down in the in the infield getting the notes and everything and and I just remember going and setting my computer uh, on the the infield wall, and that's where I would, you know, have kind of be my station and go there every time I had something to send to Todd to update or to post. To have to go to the right there at Victory Lane and sit there and, and type it up and hope I had enough internet to get it out to Todd. Um, and then I remember they started doing the the pyrotechnics around that time too, and I'm sitting there watching all the the fireballs and everything go off and thinking, is my computer going to melt sitting there? Because I'm, of course, not sitting there as it's happening, but I'm a little worried about it. But, of course, now we uh, we have a legit... Uh, even I've, I've been in some NASCAR media center, infield media centers, and it's, is you know, that's, it's maybe not as large as those, but it's, uh, it's that type of quality down there. So it definitely makes our job easier and is, is nice going there as, as a reporter. Okay. So, uh, I think, well, I want to do some picks. I know, like I said, we were all on, uh, on the video cast last week that came out Sunday. If you haven't listened to that yet, go check it out. But I know we all made picks, uh, for that. Now I'm, I'm I guess we're going to call this since it's on our podcast, we're going to call this our official picks we also have the weekend 
uh, uh, to look back on as well to maybe help influence those picks perhaps. But So we're going to do our picks one more time. Uh, we're also going to pick a dark horse, someone maybe you're not picking to win, but you know, it wouldn't surprise you if they won or at least you know has a chance of winning that maybe is kind of under the radar. And also uh, car count. I think it's going to be interesting to see what the car count is uh, uh, this weekend. Um, so we'll kind of do our best guess at car counts. And uh, anyway, any volunteers to go first? Yeah, I'll no go one. first. Uh, there you yeah. go. All right, Kevin. Yeah, I, I mean, I already, I already picked Brandon Overton and Chris Madden uh, uh, to win, and I'm, you know, I haven't Sticking changed any of my mind there since, uh, since I did that. I, I think uh, I don't know which one though. You know, I'm not, I'm not pinpointing the day, but I think uh, those two are, are ready to break through. Get some, a couple Southern guys that are going to win. Uh, at Eldora. I know like uh, Madden especially has been there. She's one of the uh, longest tenured drivers, I think, running at Eldora without a crown jewel win. And I know that kind of, you know, that, that, that sticks, sticks him in the craw a little bit there that he wants to get one. So I think this might be his chance, especially with two of them in one weekend. Uh, he's got two chances. He doesn't have to go home and, and stew about it for three months until the world 100 if he loses uh, the first night. So I think he'll come back. He's going to get one. Uh, if I pick a dark horse, uh, I'm looking at Greg Satterley. Uh, just got two wins. I mean, not two wins, but excuse me, two second place finishes at West Virginia. Big, fast track. So uh, he likes the bigger tracks. And he, he hasn't been super good over the years at Eldora, but he does have a second place finish in the World 100. So, and that was a, a, a very good run for him uh, 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 a few years ago. And I, I think that he's uh, I mean, he's got 10 years in now at Eldora. I think he's he's been there enough. He's been going there quite a long time. And I, I think he uh, if he, he hopefully he can he's in that at stage now where maybe he can break through. Maybe he doesn't win, but I think he's going to have a good run this weekend. And and my car count pick, I'm going to go with uh, about 72 cars. Let's say that I think it, that's a that's a good conservative pick. There you go. I like it. Todd, what, uh, what about you? What, what are your picks there? I'll stick with McCready. That was my choice on the video cast. And, and I kind of just picked one. If I added a second one, I guess Larson. And I kind of liked what you were saying the other day, Joshua, about if you give Larson four days on this track, you know, Kyle Larson's going to figure it out. So, so I like, I like that. And as I said on the video cast, I, I, I think the Longhorn, Longhorn cards are going to be hard to beat. Uh, my dark horse, I, I guess, you know, if he comes, and I assume he still would come as Josh Rice. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a surprise if he won one, one of the big races, but it will not be a surprise if he runs well. I mean, I think he's certainly got the talent, and the he's run well at Eldora before. I hadn't got to race there a whole, whole lot, uh, but he, he, I think he's he he gets the crowd going. You know, that, that Lucas Oil race he won at Florence, you know. I know that's his home track crowd, but I think that would translate at Eldora. People will be pulling for him. And car count, and I promise I did not coordinate with Kevin on this, but I got 71. So it's probably going to be 71 and a half, you know, and me and Kevin will have to split the difference. There you go. It sounds like that's going to be the, the over-under uh, if we were betting 71 and a half there, perhaps. Robert, what about what about you? What, should, what do you have for picks? Um, you know, like these other guys, I'm not changing uh, what I what I felt like uh, earlier in the week. I'm going uh, with uh, Davenport. I just think he's too good there to not leave with at least one of these wins. Uh, so Jonathan Davenport gets one of them, and I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to, Say which one. I'm not gonna throw myself under the bus like that and make make myself pick one of the one of the races that he wins. But uh, JD gets one of them, 
And I think Hudson O'Neill gets one. I think he's really, really uh, ran well this year. And I think uh, he's ran well at Eldora this year. Uh, and I, so I think he gets the other one. I think that's going to be um, a surprise, not surprise. Does that make sense? I, you know, I think that if he wins, I, I don't think it's going to be a shocker. Uh, but so, so my dark horse, I'm going to stick with my, I'm going to ride my dark, dark horse to he, to he, you know, can't ride no more. I guess I'll go with, uh, Daryl Landigan. Uh, Daryl Landigan finally gets the club 29 car in victory lane for, uh, for his buddy down there in, in Mississippi. And, and I think that's, uh, going to be a great, st- I can't wait to read Kevin's story about that. Uh, it's going to be a great story when that happens. So, uh, I think that Kevin, go ahead and start doing a little research there and getting your notes prepped for that. Um, car count, it's going to be 83. I feel very good about 83. So, uh, mark that down. That's what it is. Going higher on the car count there, yes, there sir. Uh, Robert. Yes, I, sir. Good. Uh, hope that, uh, turns that way. I, f- I find it inter- interesting that Lanigan is considered a dark horse whenever he's, he's won big races at Eldora before, but I guess that tells you kind of, kind of where he's at right now. And, and hopefully, and maybe, you know, looking like he could bounce back after winning the, uh, winning there already this year. Uh, I'll say for me, my picks, I'm going to do like you guys and stick with the, who I picked, uh, in the video cast, I picked, uh, Madden to win, uh, the first race, uh, there, I, I a lot pretty much what you said Kevin he's he's been good at Eldor all you know historically uh throughout the years there throughout his career uh been fast there and you know he's had some down years here and there when things weren't going his way in this you know team situation but you know right now he's the I would say probably about the best he's been in a long time and so I think he'll come back and and tell Eldor and be pretty good like he's been elsewhere and so I think he'll be one to watch and and uh I would I could see him winning and like I as as Todd mentioned and I mentioned in the video cast I'd for me, if you give Larson uh, two nights, you give him the first the first prelim night and then the the hundred lapper, assuming he gets in uh, there on on Thursday, I think he's going to be really really good uh, for Friday and especially for Saturday. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Kyle Larson is is dominant by the time Saturday rolls around. If he you know has that long uh, to get adjusted to Eldora, and he's been to Eldora before, obviously in sprint cars and and in a truck, so um, be definitely. I think I'm surprised more people aren't picking him to to be not only when to be dominant, but when I'll say a dark horse uh, pick for me, uh, I'm going to go with Tyler Millwood out of Georgia. Not that I'm expecting him to go up there and win, but he's someone who I think could be pretty good. He uh, coming off a victory at Rome uh, there, I think Memorial Day weekend, another big fast track. And uh, I know it's going to be his first trip there, but I think he has the potential to go there, uh, kind of surprise some folks. Um, he's also got Michael Page, kind of his crew chief, helping him out. Uh, who knows how to get around Eldora has had some good runs there. Uh, I could see uh, Millwood going there and being being highly competitive. Not picking him to win, but definitely uh, I think he'll be one to watch. In my car count, uh, I'm you know when you see, I was uh, a little reserved about the car count, you know, and worried I guess in some regard, like getting down there closer into the 60s and everything. And then I've seen a few like Millwood pop up that he's going. Uh, I'm trying to think of some others. Um, I know I've seen a few that have that I don't say were surprises, but I'm like, oh, that's a good sign. There's guys that weren't expected to go that are now saying they're going. So I think it's going to be a little higher. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say, kind of split the difference between uh, Todd and Kevin and and Roberts pick, and I'm gonna go with 77 uh, on the car count for me. Robert, what we got? Something you want to add there? 
Well, I just, uh, you know, I think it's interesting that you said you're surprised more people aren't aren't picking Larson. I mean, you, why do you think that is? Do you think that it's just that people don't want to pick Larson? I mean, you know, because I watched some of that NASCAR race. Uh, yes, I admit it. I watched some of that NASCAR race on Sunday. Man, he was on that road course. He's just, he's good. He's won the last two cup races and, and I don't think there's any debating how good he is. So, you know, is it a thing where people are just like, I don't want him to come in here and win this race or I don't want him to, you know, why do you think people aren't really aren't, aren't picking him? I guess. I would think maybe it's a, a case of other people being too good to, you know, expecting like Davenport and being really, really good and, and, uh, you know, picking him instead, or maybe an Overton. Um, I don't, yeah, I'm sure there's some people who don't really want to see him win it because, you know, kind of, you know, at that point, other than winning the world, he is on top of the dirt late model world at that point if he if he wins a dream. Um, but, I mean, you got to give him credit for what he's done uh, and look back. You know, I look at Alltech where he won by, what, thir- 12 or 13 seconds or some crazy number. And, you know, that's a track that's a lot like Eldora, a big half mile surface can kind of get that that slick, you know, uh, a surface and race all over. And he was really really good there I, I think he's you know I, I wouldn't be surprised at all for like i said for him to go and be not just good but perhaps dominant like he was at all tech another again a race that had you know maybe not the car count and the numbers but a lot of uh you know most of the good cars were there that he'll be you know you expect to be good at eldor were also there and he was handily better than them well another that, thing uh, another thing joshua since uh, you know, Todd compiles our, our top 25 and you write those, those capsules, uh, a lot. Um, when we're voting and, uh, and Larson's out there dominating on a road course, should that affect our vote, Todd? I'm not really sure how that, how, you know, you know, Larson goes out and wins two cup races in a row. How does that, how how does that affect how we vote on Sunday night, Todd? You can vote however you want, road courses, dirt courses, you know. I don't think an asphalt guy's going to get a whole lot of votes. But, yeah, Larson's a little tricky in the top 25, isn't he, since he's kind of not a full-time late model guy. But he's undeniably, uh, you know, in the upper tier of guys as it is. And that that's an interesting point. If, if he were to go out and win one of these races, uh, I, I'd be interested to see where that puts him in the top 25 also obviously a lot of speculating here and what ifs but uh, i mean he's sitting around i think like 15th or somewhere right now i would not you know i would be wouldn't be surprised if he jumps up uh, really high if he were to go out and win one of these races kevin we've all kind of have weighed in on larson do you have anything you want to add there yeah it would be tough not to put him all the way to the top considering every race he runs in a late model he's in the top three and then he, went, he would win the dream i think there is one a little tiny bit of uh uh, maybe, I mean, uh, you know, Homerism going on here, I believe in the dirt late, uh, maybe with us too, deep down that, you know, like, uh, I mean, Kyle Larson is great. He's, he is a, a all world talent, all time talent. And maybe we don't want him to win, you know, like, or the, the racing world, the dirt late model world doesn't want him to win because they want, they, they'll feel like that money, that 127 and $126,000 doesn't stay in the late model world. I think there is a little bit, a little bit to that. I think uh, that everyone will be like, man, I, you know, that's, that's the big money race of the year. And here's this guy from that's a, uh, well, I mean, let's just say, you know, if you run NASCAR, you make a lot of money and he's not the guy that's going to need that money like that. Uh, but of course you think again, too, 
it's not like he has his own race team here. That is a dirt late model team with uh, Kevin Rumley. So that would be great for them. That's not the biggest money team in the world. So well, I, I look at it like that too, though, you know. So I, I try to, if I, if I think of like, man, Larson doesn't need the money, but hey, his car, his team owner, would need would really really like that money. That would be really really good for that team. So I think you kind of go both ways with that, and I think that does factor in on uh, on his uh, you know who's picking him to win or wanting him to win. Yes, that's a, really an aspect I haven't really thought about. Like what you know him winning kind of takes the money out in a, at least a portion of it, uh, kind of out of the sport. I really hadn't thought about that, and perhaps that is weighing into some people's decision whether or not to pick him. They kind of uh, subconsciously don't want to see him win and that money stay in the sport sport perhaps. Okay, I think that's uh, gonna gonna do it for our preview of uh, of the double dreams. Uh, unless you guys one of you guys pick your one more thing, which we're about to go into, it has something to do with the the dreams. But that's what we're gonna do next. We'll uh, finish up by mentioning one more thing that stood out to us uh, throughout the the past week uh, or the results from the past weekend news notes results whatever it was. I'll start it off and I'm gonna mention Tony Jackson Jr. Uh, winning uh, two of the three MLRA races. Uh, he won uh, th- Thursday's opener and then Friday. I didn't realize this, and it was kind of kind of shocking to realize, but he didn't have a $10,000 or a five-figure, 10000 or more victory before winning Friday night at Mississippi Thunder, their uh, 10000 to win race with the MLRA series. So uh, that was a big win for him. Uh, he was kind of – he's had a, a decent year, but that I think he had one MLRA win going into it. But uh, I kind of wonder if that's going to kickstart him going into the summer and as he's chasing another ML- MLRA title I think that kind of gets him on the road toward that uh see Robert we'll go with you for uh, your one more thing what do you got uh I think that uh you know it's very interesting the the change down or well, here in Tennessee uh with Bruce Nunley uh Bruce built uh going back to work closely with Scott Bloomquist racing I think that's uh you know I was I don't know. I've been actually, I've been to Bruce built and they share a shop right there with, uh, with Corey Hedgecock and his father, uh, with Eagle race engines, they share the same building. And so I've been up at Eagle before getting some stuff from, from Corey and dropping a a motor off and stuff and had to walk next door and got some stuff for Bruce built. And, uh, but I've never actually met Bruce Nunley and I don't really know much about him until, uh, you know, I guess Kevin uh, put together a nice piece about what he's going to do there with, with Scott Bloomquist Racing and stuff. Uh, you know, this guy has worked at C.J. Rayburn. Uh, you know, this guy's worked at Warrior uh, during Warrior's heyday. Uh, and if you look back, he was, you know, working with, with uh, Bloomquist, getting, getting, building those cars and getting those cars. So, uh, and now, you know, he builds a lot of open wheel stuff. And when I was there, he's got a bunch of rocket stuff sitting around that needs to be repaired where, you know, he does repair work on rockets and stuff. So I, I think it's very interesting, this pairing or repairing with Bruce Nunley and Scott Bunquist racing. And I think you're probably going to see, uh, it might not be Scott Bloomquist driving the race car where we see an uptick in, in, you know, the Bloomquist cars doing even better than they, than they have been. But uh, obviously Ferguson and McDowell and people who have them have been running, running well, but I think we're going to maybe see a, an uptick and a change in, in, um, the speed that we see in the Bloomquist cars. I think it's going to be a, a good deal for, for that team and that company moving forward. And especially, 
they're closer to Knoxville to, to Mooresburg is not that not a terrible drive. So getting them back together, I think is really good for them. So that's, that's one thing that really stood out to me this week. Uh, industry wise, that's not, you know, on track stuff. Yeah. You bring up Scott Bloomquist. I was, I was going to mention real quick that he was my, uh, I don't know if he would have counted and you guys may have laughed if I'd said it, but he was my other option for my dark, dark horse pick for the, for the, those oh, he definitely but, uh, falls in that category yeah. right now. I mean, yeah. he definitely does. And the way he's ran, I mean, you know, he definitely would fall into, uh, there's no way we could pick Scott Bloomquist as a favorite right now, you know? So, uh, so definitely, but you know, if, if he continues health wise to get, any better at all and and i mean I, I just feel like that this is a great pairing with with uh with getting bruce nunley because this guy obviously knows what he's doing uh with look at where he's worked and and he hasn't worked there you know in kevin's piece which is on our website you know he worked at rayburn's for seven eight years he worked at he worked at warrior for 12 years it's not like he went in and worked somewhere for a year or two took their secrets and ran and left or whatever you know, this guy's put in time with these, with these manufacturers, with these, you know, Rayburn and it's heyday, you know, all you have to do is say the name Rayburn really. And, and so he's put in time at these places. So I really feel like that's a good pairing and, and maybe next year, Scott Bloomquist isn't an underdog. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see how that, that works out. Kevin, what you got for your one more thing? Uh, I just noticed that uh, out at the outlaw races this past weekend, uh, Max Blair went out there. It was his first time that he's uh, headed out on the road uh, since he, with the Viper Motorsports team, when since he joined uh, Sean and Lisa Martin's team and took over their, uh, uh, with uh, took over their ride with since uh, Daryl Lanigan left a uh, you know, month and a half ago or whatever it was, and uh, and and he got a top five in Circle at Circle City on Friday right off the bat and a decent run on Saturday and. Uh, now he's going to the dream for the first time, and it's always neat to see a, a, a big winner in his in his area. I mean, and there's no bigger winner in the country really than Max Blair, uh, you know, in in his Western PA and and surrounding uh, areas there. I mean, he's he's averaging over 30 wins a year for the for a long time, um, so he's dominated his home turf. It's nice to see uh, him get a chance to finally uh, go to Eldora. Uh, for a crown jewel race and kind of test himself there and see how he does. So I'll be keeping an eye on him. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. That it's good to see a, a regional guy like that. Who's kind of dominated his region and proven himself there, get the opportunity uh, with, with top notch equipment to go and maybe uh, see what he can do more nationally. So it'd be definitely be interesting to watch Max Blair uh, this weekend at Eldora. Todd finishes off with a uh, year. One more thing. I'll give a little promo to the weekly notebook. I, I get a kick out of doing that. And if, and if you're not a regular reader of it, it's a great place to kind of keep up on all the tidbits of what's going on in the weekly tracks and such. Uh, this week, uh, coming up Thursday, I have a piece on Kyle Prawner. He's a, formerly a, a successful sport, sport mod driver who moved up into late models this year. And he's he's done well and kind of done it on a budget. Uh, he has He has a... 2012 Swartz race car and he's uh uh but he's got it going he won from 12th the other night at his hometown in Norfolk Nebraska and uh anyway it's a good read it's a and I, and I encourage folks to check the weekly notebook out every week indeed the, the weekly notebook is one of my uh favorite weekly pieces along with uh Kovacs column I like reading it too there but uh all right I guess that's gonna do it for uh this week's uh dream double dream preview edition 
we uh, hopefully we all survive a, a long week weekend at Eldora and are back here next week to uh, kind of wrap it all up, put a bow on it nicely, and and uh, look ahead to uh, hard to believe, but the summer nationals will be kicking off this time next week. So uh, we'll uh, look forward to a, a busy stretch ahead, starting with Eldora, and uh, we'll be back again next week. And uh, until then, y'all have a great week. Yeah.